All right, so today we're going to be studying Jesus' explanation of the parable of the soils. Uh, and that's important because we're going to see how Jesus interprets the parable. And as I talked about the fact that some people, uh, some of the liberal uh, theologians would like to maintain that, well, the thing about a parable is that it doesn't really have any one specific meaning, that it's open to multiple interpretations. Well, you see, that's absolutely false. There is one specific meaning. It's, it's God's meaning, and Jesus will talk about that. And so we, you understand, because we've already spoken about it, that Jesus began to speak in parables when the religious elite determined to kill him and to strike him down and refuse to listen to him. And so God determined that if their hearts were hardened, if they had no longer a need to listen to the word of God, they would not be able to understand it. And God did that, and that's why God spoke in parables. And one of the things that you learn as you drill down on this is that in order to fully understand the word of God, you have to have a heart that hungers, that is submissive, that is broken, that mourns, a heart that mourns for the word of God, a recognition of the fact that you're lost. And without God's word, you cannot advance spiritually. That's what God wants you to understand. And so that's why you understand the parables through the Holy Spirit. And that is why you will find in life that you may speak to people who have not given their heart to God, who have in many ways are, are, are obstructionists to the word of God, and they cannot understand what it's about. They cannot, they cannot glean God's meaning. And that's exactly how God plans it. Because if your heart is not right, if you're not committed to God, if you're not submissive to God, then you're not going to understand these parables. And so Jesus, and we're going to spend the whole season focusing on these parables because it is Jesus' word of God. Jesus is giving us a deep understanding of his theology. And so it's, it's important as we, as we drill down on this. And so Jesus is going to give us the explanation now in Luke chapter 8, <clears throat> Beginning at verse 9, <clears throat> his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And you know this is the parable of the four types of soils. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, and now he quotes this, uh, and, and this is an Old Testament quote, uh, and he says there in this quote, though seeing they may not see, Though hearing, they may not understand. This is a quote given to Isaiah, as Isaiah is given the commission to go out and spread the word of God. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. 
uh, incredible as Jesus gives us that succinct explanation of what it's about. Uh, And so we understand here that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And the thing about this parable is the parable does not focus on the qualifications of the sower. You understand? It's not the qualifications of the sower. Because every one of you, as you walk with, the, with God, and as you if, advance the work of God, and spread the word of God, the seed of God, God will bless what you do. All the sowers are treated with blessings. So yes, does that mean that there might be some sowers who are a little bit more blessed a little bit more talented than others? Yes, possibly. But this parable tells you that the key to the success is not about, about the qualification of the sower. It's about the soil. Is the soil prepared? And so as you advance the gospel and speak to people about Jesus, you're going to find that you're going to have some soil that's well prepared. And many times soil, other soil is not prepared. And people are not interested. And so God is, is really speaking to you about this. There's a, there's a hint of the imagery of this in the Old Testament. And what, what I love about, about Jesus is how, how often he refers to the Old Testament, how infused it is into his teaching. And one of the things that comes first to my mind here in this passage is that the Jesus refers to the devil. The devil. Let me assure you, folks, there is a devil. His name is Lucifer, all right? And Jesus spoke at length about Lucifer. And so uh, I recently uh, was reading some theological books, and after a while I put them down because there are some pastors today, some new age pastors that don't believe in a devil. They don't believe in a devil. They don't believe in hell. Well, let me tell you, Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else. I believe Jesus spoke 41 times about hell. Uh, and so clearly there is a hell, and clearly there is a devil. Well, there's a passage in Psalm 126, verse 5, that speaks about what it means to sow, what it means to be the person that's sowing the word of God. And there it says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. There it is. When you go out with the word of God uh, and have a responsibility to God as you advance the kingdom of God and you spread the seed, God will bless what you do. Yes, it will find ground that's prepared to hear the word of God and, and you will see the result of that. And so again, the seed is the word of God. Make no mistake about it. The sower's not identified here because you're the sower. I'm the sower. There are all kinds of sowers. Uh, the sower is anyone who distributes the seed. And so you should focus on that even as you drill down on, on this parable. And so anyone who proclaims the word of God is really identified in this parable. It has all to do with the soil, not with your personal qualification. So you can spread the word of God, even if you're just a new Christian. If God puts that on your heart, you can give your personal testimony that says here you're qualified to do that. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology, all right? You don't have to have that. Uh, And you know, that that really applied to me because I really didn't get involved uh, in advancing the work of God uh, on a teaching level until I turned 50. And the reason for that was that I believed I was not holy enough. I was not holy enough 
to get up and speak about God. Well, guess what? I'm not holy. I'll never be holy, but God sees me as holy because I've accepted Jesus. Amen? In other words, there's a filter now over my life that's Jesus, and God sees that filtering lens and sees me as holy. When I came to finally understand this, that's when I was able to uh, begin to speak publicly about Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, And I would say the same for you. I think that a lot of us are being held back uh, because we think we're not holy enough. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. God has given you uh, the opportunity to advance the, the word. And so here in this parable, there are four different kinds of soil. And every different kind of soil represents the human heart. Uh, and so Jesus drills it down, breaks it down so that you understand the various types. Those by the wayside, the first example, those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. There it is. That soil is hard, it's arid, it's not prepared. Uh, They hear the word, they're really not that interested in it. There's no preparation. And as soon as the word comes, Satan comes and takes it away. Comes and takes it away. Uh, And there are many people like this. The question is, what degree of preparedness is the soil? What distinguishes each of of these soils is the heart, uh, and whether the heart is in condition to produce the fruit. You know, when you study God, it's all about the heart. It's you are saved because your heart submitted itself to God. It wasn't your mind, you understand, but it was your heart that was broken and submissive and needed to, under, and needed to connect with God. Well, it's the same with these soils. <clears throat> and so the seed is perfect and eternal, and unchanging. But as good as it is, the seed cannot germinate if the soil is not prepared. It's important to understand that. The soil must be prepared. And so the point of the activity of sowing the soil uh, is not to produce dense foliage. It's not about producing something that's got a bunch of leaves. Instead, it's about producing something that is full of fruit, full of the fruit of God in every way, full of the fruit of Jesus Christ. All those elements that we'll speak about later, about what constitutes fruit. That's the essence of the soil. That's how you know someone is saved. You know, I laugh when I hear stories about people at work. Guy told me the story about the fact he and this guy had worked together for 10 years, and they were meeting at a water cooler, and all of a sudden, one guy said to the other, yeah, I was at church yesterday, and the other guy said, wait, wait. You go to church? You go to church? I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I never would have thought that you go to church. Now, how pathetic is that? All right? How pathetic and sad is that? That that my life, I shouldn't have to say anything. You understand? People should see me and see the way I conduct myself and live and how I work and should say there's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. I want to be like them. I want to walk like them. I like the way they handle the ups and downs of life. I love that. And yet, you see here, they didn't see that. And that's because much of the world that calls itself Christian is camped out in what I call day one. All right? Day one. Day one is where you've accepted Jesus 
You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, but then you put a chair down, and that's it for you for the rest of your life. Instead of day two is when you pick up your cross and carry that cross and walk with Christ every day of your life. The act of ongoing submission, ongoing sanctification. You understand? All of that really relates to the fact of how God wants us to live. And so God expects the soil to bear fruit. Uh, and that's the, the, the bottom line. That's what this process is about. That's why I'm doing this. I'm sowing the seed to you. You then are going to take the seed and go out in the parking lot and sow it to the world. All of you are going to advance it in every step of the way. That's what we do. And so the unadulterated word of God is the only true and legitimate seed. Let me repeat that. The unadulterated word of God is the only legitimate seed. It's not programs. You understand? It's not some uh, devising of some system that's going to turn people on. It's not about me being up here and entertaining you. It's not about me being your coach or even your friend. My job is to give you the unadulterated word of God. And I say this, if you're going to a church where during the sermon on Sunday, there's hardly any citations to scripture, well, you better think about that. Because you don't want to go to a church where the guy at the front is a coach. You don't need a coach. You have the greatest coach in the world. He's God. You don't need another coach. You need someone that's giving you the unadulterated word of God. And so the recognition of the fact that our responsibility is to prepare the soil. And so a person's response to the word of God is the only evidence really that we know that they've heard the word. We don't know otherwise. What's the response? What do people do? You know, have they heard the word? What's their response? Do we see the fruit in their life? Uh, and, and today, this is a foundational truth that I'm sorry to say many churches don't get. They, they adopt all kinds of bizarre methodologies uh, to reach hard-hearted hearts. Carnivals. Uh, and, and all kinds of, of uh, even uh, music concerts that they think they're going to do to reach hard-hearted hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, let me make it very clear to you. Only the word of God, the unadulterated word of God, will reach the hard hearts. That's it. We have to understand this. And some, so as a result of this, <clears throat> some people have abandoned the task of the sower. They've stopped sowing seed. Uh, and, and they decide that sowing seed, you see, is unsophisticated. Oh my gosh, we're modernists. There's got to be a better way, really. There's got to be a better way of advancing this kingdom of God than merely sowing seed. There's got to be a way. And so you'll see drive-in music festivals. Uh, you'll see carnivals. And I'm not saying that there's not some benefit in them. But that's not the primary way that you preach the word of God. All right? You preach the word of God that breaks the hearts, that reaches the heart, that gives them seed that will germinate, that will give them fruit. That's what this is about. Uh, you can't enhance the quality of the seed. Don't even go there. Don't think that you're going to do something to enhance the seed. That's God's word. It's already enhanced uh, in every possible way. But the question is, how is the fruit being born? And so you see this, the wayside here. 
Uh, that's the soil that's hard, pressed down, hardened, arid, uh, not ready, not ready to receive the seed, impervious, impervious to biblical truth. Now, you might be saying, well, John, I don't understand that. You mean that some people are impervious to truth? Well, yes, yes, open the Bible. Look at all those guys that were walking around when Jesus was preaching and while he's healing people and raising them from the dead, what are they doing? They're having meetings on how they're going to kill him. That's being impervious to the word of God. And there's no difference. It's the same today in every possible way. It's unbelief. Uh, it's a lack of love. And you see this in such a profound way. It's made their hearts rock-like, solid, uh, an environment where truth cannot possibly penetrate. The hearer is hopeless and spiritually dead, fully susceptible to the wiles of Satan. Sorry to say it. That's the soil. We have a responsibility to prepare the soil. And if you've not prepared the soil in your heart, that's what you're going to see. Uh, and, and the devil will come and take the word, even as it's being preached. Uh, and so here's your... Here's, Another word to you. You're not responsible for the soil. You're responsible to sow. That's your job. You're responsible to sow, but it's the responsibility of the hearer to prepare the soil. Now, inevitably, we're going to encounter hearts like that, uh, effectively concrete, uh, and that's going to affect much of what we do. There's examples in the Bible of this. Turn to Exodus chapter 32. Verse 9, and here, here he is now, uh, God is talking about the Israelites, okay? And here he says this, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Now there have been days in my life where I would honestly say, go ahead, God, do it. I want to be like, Moses is right. I can't stand, you know, working with these people and they don't listen, they don't obey you. Uh, and everything that I preach about is going for naught. And there, in that case, Moses intervened and said, Lord, don't do it, don't do it. But you see how God looks. He sees stiff-necked people. He sees hardened people. And God repudiates that in such a way. Uh, and, and there's another verse about this where you see the heart of God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 19, uh, verse 15. Jeremiah then, re we'll start with verse 14. Jeremiah then returned from Topeth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, and stood in the court of the Lord's temple and said to all the people, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, listen. I am going to bring on this city and the villages around it every disaster I pronounced against them because they are stiff-necked and would not listen to my word. Can it be any clearer? They're stiff-necked. They won't listen. Their soil is unprepared. How long does it go on? How long does it go on when people do not really respect the word of God, do not honor the word of God? Uh, and, and you see that, 
uh, people said, Peter said that even in Acts when he, when, when he indicted the people and he indicted those people that put Jesus to death, the Jewish people. He said, they're you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. You resisted the Holy Spirit. So God tried. You got the word. You received the seed, but you repudiated it. Your hearts were hardened. You didn't want to hear it. You didn't listen. Uh, and so what you see here is something that we all experience, we all encounter. Uh, and so what, what happens? It's, the heart is hardened against the grace of God. God dispenses the grace, but they are hardened. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen. They repudiate it. Uh, and Jesus' day was filled with religious aristocracy. This is why I say to you, religiosity will not get you to heaven. You understand this? Religiosity will not get you to heaven. So God doesn't care that you're a card-carrying denominationalist. You understand? He doesn't care that you're on a committee in church. He doesn't care that your parents were there and were founders of the church. He doesn't care about that. The question is, what's the condition of your heart? Is your heart open and submissive? Are you bearing fruit? Are you doing this? And Jesus referred there to these Pharisees and said in John chapter 8, you are of the father of the devil. How's that, Jesus? You're... Your father is the devil. You know, Jesus, what I love about Jesus, he was never concerned about being politically correct. Right? You know, Jesus say, well, I, I, if I say that, mm, boy, I'm going to lose a lot of followers. If I tell people their, their, their father is the devil, mm, they're not, I'm not being part of a Dale Carnegie course here. But Jesus didn't care. You understand? He gave him the word of God. He knew he was there for three years that God had called him from the foundation of the universe. This was his job. He had to serve the word of God. And so here's what he tells him. And so how does, how does Satan snatch the word away? How does he do that? What does he do? Well, he uses many devices. Uh, turn to Corinthians chapter 2 as you get an insight into the, the mind of Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. We'll start with verse 10. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. He is trying to outwit you. He is brilliant. He is creative. He is beautiful. He is attractive. And in every one of those senses, he does everything that he can to outwit you. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan was the most beautiful and talented created being ever. Imagine that. The most beautiful and talented, created being ever. He was in charge of praise and worship in heaven. He was a tremendous musician. He was beautiful and attractive. And that's what drew people to him. Uh, and, and so he uses all of his wiles, all of his abilities, uh, and he transforms himself into an angel of light. 
And so what happens when the word of God goes out into this ground on the wayside? What does he say there? Well, come on, you don't need to hear that. You're a smart guy. You know how to live your life. You're a good person. Look, you're a good father. Uh, you're a good husband. Look at all the things that you are. And, and, and they're telling you that you're, you're not going to go to heaven. That's nonsense. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Look at, look at the neighborhood. You're the best guy and the best woman in the neighborhood. And here's what. Oh, you know what? My ears. Oh, I like to hear that. I like to hear I'm good. Yeah, it's good. It's a good thing for me to hear that I'm, I'm good. Well, guess what? Focus in on what God says. Look in 2 Corinthians. Look now at chapter 11. Look at verse 14. We'll start with 13 and talking about false apostles because there are false apostles who are masquerading as angels of light. Turn on the TV. All right? Do I have to go any further and look at the so-called televangelists that's all out there? I'm not going to say everyone, but there's a fair number of them that all they're interested in is the economy of self. Self. Send me money. Bring me money. I was even watching one this morning before I came. It's astonishing what, what you see on TV, and people are, are just sucked in. So here we go, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masqueraded as an angel of life. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Well... There you go. There you have it. Even people that uh, uh, seem to be putative apostles, putative men of God. The question is, check the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. Because what happens is these types of people, all right, will do what they can and take the seed away from people. They will do that. They will subtly uh, attack and undermine the truth of the gospel of Christ. Uh, and they will exploit human passions. Look, it's no secret. You want to get people to follow you? Just deal with their passions. Deal with their lust. Tell them they're good. Tell them they're great. Uh, and, and just give them benefit to their pride. And you will see this. And what happens then? Their pride, stubbornness, Agri, uh, you know, aggressiveness and arrogance uh, will all come up to the surface and they will not accept the word of God. Now, the second type of soil that Jesus speaks about here, and this is another type of humanity, is the shallow soil. Now, this part of the soil relates to a person who responds immediately. You understand? Oh, Oh, I went to that service. Oh, my heart was touched. Oh, that was good. I liked what I, oh, I like hanging around with you. Oh, I like all this. But here's the thing. It's an only a superficial reaction. It's only on the surface. Uh, there, is, there are no deep roots. And here's the thing about, about walking with God and walking with Jesus. If you don't have deep roots, you're going to be tested. There's going to come persecution and suffering. I don't know if you've looked around in this world, but this world's not a great place. There's going to be all kinds of evil that's going to come down on you. And what happens if the soil is shallow? All of a sudden, Joe Jones doesn't come to church anymore. What happened to Joe? Well... 
he just found that it wasn't relevant to him. He didn't like it. Yeah, he had other things to do. He likes to play golf. Uh, and so what happens? In that kind of soil, what happens immediately, there's some kind of bushiness. The leaves appear, and some of us can be say, look at that and say, oh, that's great. There's someone that's being really receiving the word of God. But enthusiasm, you see, obscures the fact that there are no roots. God wants roots. You want to advance in the kingdom of God, you have to have a deep root system. Intellectualism is ineffective. Walking with Christ is not about your mind. Walking with Christ is about your heart. You need deep roots in order to do this. And so it's not a question of if those kind of people will fail, but when that faith will fail. You understand? When will that fail? We know that each person responds to the word of God uh, in a differing way, but every single disciple will be put to the test. This is key. The test is coming. It's going to come your way, and you will have it. And when your faith is not deeply rooted, you will fall apart. John eight thirty one says, "If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you understand that." That's part of what this process is about. That's why I tell you that there's a two-day stage. Not just accepting Christ, but taking root and then walking with him. Advancing with him towards the cross of God and carrying your cross. It is that ongoing abiding that makes you a true disciple of God. And that's what we need to spread to the word. Uh, and, uh, and, And Paul spoke about this also. In Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That is what true saving faith is about. Abiding, walking, having roots set deep in the soil. Uh, And so this becomes important as you understand the nature of salvation. Uh, And none of this changes the fact that I believe clearly that the Bible says that there is eternal security, meaning that when you are saved, truly saved, when you've put the roots down and are with God and walking with God, he holds you forever in his hand. No power, no principality, no evil will ever take you out of the hand of God. Can I get an amen? This is clearly, clearly important to understand. So we understand this all as we, as we reflect on this great parable. Jesus is saying, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to walk with me? How do I look for the kind of soil? I want to see real conversions, not false conversions. I want to see growth, fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and now, what about the worldly hero? The, the worldly hero. This is the third type of soil that Jesus speaks about. This represents people who are too enthralled with the world and too preoccupied. You know people like this. I got a lot of activities. I'm a busy guy. I got a lot of family things. I'm very involved in my family. I see my family multiple times a week. And in fact, you know what? I'm on a lot of committees. Even in church, I'm on a lot of committees. 
I'm real good at committees. Uh, and, and these kinds of people, you see, uh, they seem to respond initially. They seem to respond initially to the word of God, but they're choked out by the cares of life. They're choked out about everything that they're on. They're worried about work. They're worried about their family. They're not focusing on the word of, of God. And as a result of the, of the cares of life in every possible way, including their finances, they're not listening and concentrating on the word of God. And they bring no fruit. You understand how this continued to come, come forward? Bring no fruit. I don't see the evidence in their life that they are truly committed to Christ. I don't see that. I see people that are involved in all kinds of activities. But in order to be fruitful, you cannot be sold out to the world. You understand? You can't be sold out to the world. I'm not interested in what the world thinks of me. I don't care if there are people that look at me and say, that guy's a nut. I mean, who does he think he's in on the radio? Who is he? What is he trying to impress? I don't care. God didn't call me to impress you. I'm called to spread the word of God, and you're the same way. You have to be sold out to God, not sold out to the world. Now, this is, this is not a hard-hearted person. You understand? It's not that. It's not a shallow, emotional person. It's not that. Uh, but this time, uh, the soil is plowed, but it's not deep enough. You understand? It's not deep enough. It didn't allow the word of God to take root. There are weeds and thorns in that soil. Yeah, the soil is plowed, but the weeds are within the soil. And there's thorns within the soil. And that's what happens. You're too preoccupied with the things of the world. You're worried about your finances. You're worried about your business. You're worried about your, your authority amongst other people. You're worried about all these things. You're even worried about recreation, some people. About what's going on in your golf club. Well, you know what? You ought to be worried more about what God thinks of you. That's what you should be worried about. Uh, and so this is it. And so the carnal world overwhelms the fruit of the Spirit, overwhelms the Word of God. Uh, and God is very specific about this. Uh, and and uh, the Scriptures say, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or otherwise he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Lincoln cited that during the Civil War. You can't serve two masters. So you have to think about that, even as you're spreading the word of God. Who are you serving? Who's first in your life? Is it the world that's first in your life? Your family first in your life? Your business first in your life? Or Jesus? Or Jesus? And that's the essence of what this is. This is about, and so many people are caught up in this, uh, and, and they have good intentions. They are good intentions, uh, and they hear, but in the end, their hearts are choked out by the things of the world. And finally, we have the fruitful hearer, the one where the soil is well-documented, well-prepared. Uh, this soil is well-cultivated, and it produces the desired crop. Jesus describes this as those people who have heard the word with a good and noble heart. They've prepared. They've studied. They're ready. They hear the word of God. Uh, this is a person who hears the word and understands the word. Why? Because they're broken in spirit. You understand? 
It goes back to the Beatitudes. Blessed, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn their spiritual condition. Those are the people who hear the word and because of their spirit, that word comes in, germinates, and begins to produce fruit in your life. And I look at this congregation and I see all kinds of fruit in this group. All kinds of people that are advancing the kingdom of God. All kinds of people that are demonstrating what God is doing in their hearts. I'm blessed to see you and to know you and to see how you all are advancing in the kingdom of God. It's so obvious that God is blessing you and, and using you in a powerful way. And so you have to understand, you represent the good soil. You represent the soil that is prepared. And remember this, you have a, a, an abiding faith. Not temporary faith, but abiding faith. Now, this, the fruit that's spoken of in this parable is quite clear. Uh, it, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and you'll see it delineated there, the fruit of the Spirit. And notice it's singular fruit, not fruits. One fruit, effectively the fruit of Jesus Christ. Christ in your life. Look at this. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I have a good friend. He happens to be a member of this group who, who did a, a little dissertation on this with another group, and he passed out cards, and he said, I want you to mark down uh, where you are on the fruit list. Uh, give yourself a score. Each fruit, mark it from 1 to 10. Where are you? I said, oof. Oh, I said, oh, Dave, that would be hard for me because I'm looking at my score on some of these and they're negative. They're negative. That patience fruit, I'm working. God's helping me to get there, but I got to tell you, I got a long way to go. And so here's the point of this. Don't think that overnight you've accepted Christ and bingo, you've got, you've got a, a fruit that's in, in full bloom in your life. doesn't work that way. In the ongoing act of sanctification, in walking with Christ, that fruit develops, and it will develop at different rates. But here's the point. You're not the same guy or woman you were before you became a Christian. You understand? I could tell you that, really. Because before, if, if I were angry about someone, I would blow up. I'd just blow up. I mean, I made a living of doing this in court. I would just, I mean, I, I would tell you that I, I would have gone to court and cross-examine people for free. For free! Because it felt so good to rip them apart. I felt I was, you know, dispensing justice against arrogant people. I've got people in the back giving me a thumbs up. <clears throat> now, fortunately, I didn't tell too many people I would do it for free. That was kind of like my, my little secret. But here's the point, you understand? I'm not the same guy! I'm not the same guy. If I say something harsh, you want to know something? I'm convicted. Oh, Father, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. I'm convicted. I'm more patient. I'm more kind. All right? And I'm more gentle. Am I good? No. But I'm getting better. You understand? And I would expect that each one of you would say the same way. It's because the soil in your heart is prepared. And God has put his word there. And his word is producing fruit. And that's what this is about. That's what Jesus is preaching about. That's what this is all about. Now remember, 
remember why you are created. If your kids or your grandchildren say, Dad or Grandpa, why, why am I here? Why am I here? I'm going to save you a whole lot of trips to the library. Okay? I'm going to save you the expense of buying voluminous books. God has covered that. You know, all you have to do is look to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. For we know that we have been created by God for good works, which he hath before ordained. For we know, there it is, folks. That's why you have been created. God created you to advance the gospel of Christ for good works. Period. End of sentence. You understand? You don't need to go through a philosophy education. You don't need to go back and read Voltaire or Plato or Socrates. I just gave you the essence of what life is about. It's about you walking with God in good works. That's the nature of what he's doing. And so you see this, and now we understand. Yes, as we walk, he will prune us. He will cut us back. He will sand us down. All of that is in the sanctification process. But it's a person's duty and responsibility before the throne of God to have a prepared heart. And so as you spread the gospel, as you sow the seed, as you sow the the word of God, understand that you can't control the heart. You can't control the soil. Only God does. Uh, and, and so what you have to understand there is when the heart is prepared, then the word that you advance will blossom and will bear fruit in, in a very powerful way. Only God himself, only God himself uh, can prepare a heart, can plow the soil and prepare it. But we have a responsibility to be open. We have a, a, a responsibility to be broken, to be mourning, and to ask God to come in and do this. And so when we do this, he will make us spiritually awake. Uh, God, when he saved you, every single one of you, he took that old heart out, that stony heart out, and he replaced it with a new heart. And he filled you with the Holy Spirit. Let me make sure you understand that. You were sealed by God with the Holy Spirit when you got saved. That means that you are fully empowered to walk with him. You are fully empowered to resist the wiles of the devil. You are fully empowered to continue to hear the word of God. You're fully empowered and you look to go out to Bible studies and study the word of God and read the word of God and go to church and listen to sermons and go to Bible studies and hear the Bible studies and every day of your life feed the spirit of God, feed the nature of God. That's what God wants. He will elevate you. He will lift you up. He will strengthen you and you will walk stronger day by day, carrying the cross, walking towards Jesus and sowing the word of God. My desire for each one of you, amen, my desire for each one of you is that you leave here empowered and committed to spread the word of God. You leave here and say, he's right. That's why I've been created. I know I'm 85. I know I'm 90. I know that, but you know what? I don't know how many more months or days or years I've got, but every single one of them, I'm going to commit myself to working with God and serving God. Can I get an amen on that? 
Listen. You came out on a cold day early in the morning. And I don't want to waste your time. This is what God is commanding you to do. I want you to leave here today fully empowered, understanding, yes, God, I understand what you want from me. I will do it. I will walk with you. I will spread the seed. I will seek out people that need to hear it. And if they don't respond, that's for you, God. You understand? It's not for me. It's for you, God. Amen? Let's close. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for Jesus and this parable and how, Lord, you have given us the mysteries of Scripture. Father, we are so humbled to see what you have done in our lives. And when I look out at this congregation, I'm so blessed to see people who are committed to serving you. And so, Lord, I ask you to lift them up and affirm them in every way. Empower them so that when they leave here, they can continue to spread the word of God, to give it to a lost world that desperately needs it, Father. Lift them up and protect them as we put all of this, Father, in your name. And so, God, I ask you that you protect our people. Bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word as we put all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.